Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. We are back with another Neurodiversity Stories, and I'm your host. My name is Darren Clark. So why have I put Neurodiversity Stories on, and why do we want to spread more awareness around neurodiversity? Good question you ask yourself, Darren. But guys, we created this purely for that that reason, to hear other people's stories. I'm a massive uh, fan of stories, uh, and I really do believe that more stories should be heard around neurodiversity. And also, again, people's takes uh, on neurodiversity. So that's why uh, we've created this neurodiversity stories. And to be honest, guys, we've had a, a phenomenal, phenomenal response to this and an incredible lineup of guests. And again, uh, a, a, another phenomenal guest today. We've, we've got Karen Cousins, who uh, I've been following uh, the, the content that she's been putting out on LinkedIn. She has a, an incredible book, which we're, we're going to touch on and we're going to talk about um, in this. I will be introducing her um, very, very shortly. But guys, um, we do get a lot of people kind of connecting and tuning in um, from all across the globe. We get people from Argentina, from uh, from America, even in Australia. Um, so if you could just let us know where you're tuning in from uh, and feel free to, to connect with anyone else that's, uh, that's tuning in uh, as well. So guys, I also want to say a, a massive thank you as well to um, to yourself for supporting this by either tuning in live every single Friday to, to watch uh, these shows or uh, watching it on the replay. So uh, again, if you're watching on the replay, please do let us know um, your thoughts uh, and and if there are any questions throughout this talk, uh, Karen and I will do our very, very best uh, to answer this as well. But guys, I also want to say, like I said, uh, a massive thank you as well to um, our sponsors, Claret Software. I just want you to check out this. So guys, Claret Software develops assistive technology software for people with disabilities, such as print and reading difficulties like dyslexia to help uh, to keep them to achieve all that they can. So um, a massive thank you again to Claret Software who have been uh, an incredible support. Um, like all of our sponsors, um, it really do uh, appreciate your support on this. So guys, today we have, uh, we have Karen Cousins uh, and she's a music and dyslexic uh, dyslexia educator and coach and the incredible author of the Dyslexia and Success, the winning uh, formula, which um, I'm sure there are many people within my connections that have either have a copy of the book or seen the book. Um, and uh, I, I want to bring on uh, Karen to explain um, a lot more around kind of her her journey around neurodiversity or how the, you know, the book kind of inspired her to, uh, you know, to, to write this book. And I want to welcome Karen. Good morning, Karen. I'm just going to oh, unmute. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're all good. Good, good morning. Lovely. Good morning, you can hear me. <laughs> yes, we're all good. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's absolutely my, you know, my my absolute pleasure to have you. I know how incredibly busy your schedule is. So I was really thrilled when you uh, when you messaged and said, yes, I, I you know, would like to come on. So uh yeah. So, Karen, I, I've been following uh, a lot of, you know, the content you've been putting out. I think LinkedIn yeah. has been a, an incredible platform uh, to spread more awareness around your diversity. But also, you know, I've educated myself on, on a lot of stuff that you've uh, you've put out as well. Oh, so yeah. if we 
amazing if you could just share um, a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I am a music and dyslexia specialist teacher. Um, growing up, I didn't know I had dyslexia. I knew that there was a problem. My parents obviously knew there was a problem. Uh, probably uh, the most noticeable thing was my sister could read my books when we were growing up. She was two years younger, but I couldn't read them. Um, so my dad, uh, I was lucky, I had a lot of support. Um, you know, dys dyslexia wasn't really known about in the early 70s when I was going to school, um, at primary school. People didn't really know that much about it. Teachers definitely, most of them had no education on it whatsoever. Um, yeah, so I had a lot of support. So even though they didn't know I had dyslexia, um, they basically supported all my learning. So, and as I got older, they would do one-to-one -one lessons. My dad would do one-to-one -one tutoring with me. Um, it was intense. It was pretty miserable at times, um, but he was so desperate for me to obviously leave school with some qualifications so I could get a job. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty miserable at times, but on the other hand, I did come out with four GCSE stroke O levels because we were kind of the first year that were trialing the GCSE. So I had a mixture of the two. Yes. Um, I think probably like once I'd left school, I went into a banking job. Um, I was really happy to get the job and I got it on an interview before I'd actually got my qualifications. So I was sitting the exams when I I was offered the job. So I, of course my parents were over the moon and so was I that I even had a job. Because uh, I think it was almost more than they could have ever hoped for. But once I was about a year into that job, it was pretty apparent I wasn't going to be able to manage it. Um, anyway, over time, um, I, I'd always had a passion for music. I'd learnt piano from about the age of seven because my parents spotted that we learnt recorder at school. And yeah. they, I had brought this recorder home and I was playing all the tunes that they were listening to on the radio. So all the pop tunes they they have playing, I would just literally play them by ear. And they were like, oh, wow, she's, you know, she can do this. So they basically supported me in my music and sport because I was good at sport as well. And I think really because I had that and I kept going with it, it was the only thing I was good at. Yeah. So I carried on with my piano lessons. I went to grade eight. And even though I'd started the banking job, I still followed that. Um, there was like a little period in between where I went to an accounts department um, and actually they sent us off to college on a one day release and I did a business um, course and I loved it. But again, I couldn't really do the written work. So had loads of support, friends from college, friends from work. They would all stay up with me half the night trying to get my work done. And that's how I got through it. Um, when I... I, so then I um, trained to become a piano teacher. I just kind of decided that, that I couldn't stay in the office. It was just never going to work. So um, trained to become a piano teacher. I absolutely love teaching. Um, I think because of the difficulties I have myself, I find other ways to teach children. So, um, for instance, in music, 
um, multisensory learning because we know that people with dyslexia learn best through multisensory learning because the senses, you know, uh, especially that visual movement and really music lends itself to that. And in a one-to-one -one situation, I would be in, uh, have a little classroom at school where I've got one-to-one -one and I felt I was very privileged to be able to have that kind of freedom to be able to teach these children in a different way. Yes. Um, so I'm kind of lucky because I, during that time, I probably skipped over a whole load of stuff. But no, no, anyway, no. It's um, please, yeah. please go on. It's, it's good to get, we can break down some of the sure. uh, things sure. that you've got. It's yeah. good to get that overall uh, arching. So, so Karen, please, yeah, please sure. go on. So I... And I would spot children that had dyslexia before the school obviously had spotted it. But that, I think, is because I'm in a one-to-one -one situation um, and I was able to let the parents know and obviously the school and then the children would be tested and then they get the right support. And, you know, some, some parents would say, well, why didn't the school spot it? But actually, you're in a one-to-one -one situation. It's very different. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I started, uh, oh yeah, so I went off to university at age of 38 to do to study music. Wow. Yeah, and what was really great about that was that I was able to actually do a lot of my research, you know, looking on YouTube, uh, videos, I went to talks, um, and it was really good because it was a lot more practical than, um, and, a, and a lot of the, the things were practical anyway. But it, it just really helped. And actually, when I spoke to a lot of the tutors, they said, actually, the research you're doing, people just don't think to do. So actually, they said, your research you're doing is actually better. Yeah. So it really kind of, it find, worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, find, I, I shared this on, um, I, I think it was on uh, last week's, uh, we had a, uh, an incredible chat, Matthew, Matthew Head. Um, right. And, and um, we were talking about how, how you know, I, we, you know, we kind of learn things. And I said I'm a, a massive advocate of, uh, you know, that visual element of things and yeah. looking on YouTube, for instance, and I will teach myself a new skill by looking yeah. at um, how other people do it or those, and then kind of, so YouTube for me, it's been uh, an incredible source, um, to, you know, to be able to understand and learn. learn, learn yeah. Skills. And I guess we do, we do look at different angles of way of, you know, not the, the standard way of teaching, I guess. I think that's the thing. And, um, you know, other music teachers will come in during my lessons and say, wow, what, how do you know how to do that? But it's just like an innate kind of thing that I would do. Um, you know, so some music teachers would just use a bog standard tutor book and it's like, that's how you learn. Those kids will not learn very well learning like that. You've got to find other ways to teach them because they might if they're having problems with written word, they're likely to have a problem with written notation. Yeah. So you you've find, got to find other ways. Do you find, um, you know, reading music, uh, for instance, it can be, can be challenging then, is that? Yes, because you're still having to process and follow the line of music and particularly with piano because yeah. it's multi-layered. So right. you think of a chord on a piano, if you were playing the flute, you'd have one line of music. It's a lot easier. Um, but if, you're, if you want to learn piano, and often these kids do, and I don't deter them, but it, it is probably one of the most challenging instruments for people wow, with dyslexia okay. if you yeah. want to read music. And obviously in Western society, uh, you know, I was classically trained and it was tough. Yeah. But 
um, I wanted to do it. And I think if you really want to do something, you'll always find, find a way around it. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, it, it, um, you know, I, I think it's quite ironic, really, because I'm actually um, going to be uh, I've got my first piano lesson uh, oh. next week. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Twenty-four. So, uh, so Brilliant. very. Uh, so I'm a, a, a little anxious. The, the lady that's doing it is is, is incredible, um, and you, you know, uh, understanding of uh, you know the neurodiverse element um, of yeah. it. So, you know, and I was thinking. So it's really interesting when you're saying, you know, the you know the, the, the different ways of kind of being able to learn. I used to play the keyboard uh, right. when I was growing up, but it was very much I would listen to something on the, the TV, maybe yeah. you know, like a soundtrack or something, and then I would just sit there and I would just be hitting the, the notes and the patterns of the notes just by listening to it. Um, yeah. and I never ever read um I didn't know I had dyslexia at the time then, but I never read the actual musical. I would just literally go from well that's that sound. This is similar. That's the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the strength from that comes obviously that you can play by ear and that's a really good uh, thing to do um, but also probably composing and things like that I find that people with dyslexia often are very good at creating their own music yeah. so they're the kinds of things that can kind of be nurtured and I mean I've had some students where they've written their own pieces and they're doing terribly in school but they then go to perform this piece at a music festival or something and the recognition that they get is just massive yeah. Um, you know, and for self-esteem, because that really is my um, whole focus is on self-esteem, because I know these kids are really struggling in school. Do you find then, um, Karen, and it's just, again, just sort of popped into my mind, you, Yeah. kind of, um, so so I, I've shared, you know, my kind of dyslexia journey in the sense that I was kind of um, isolated in, in the sense of, you know, um, from normal lessons. So you have yes. that it and then you take something like a musical instrument where uh, and the piano which is very much you know it, it can you can be judged again on you know you can yes. hit the wrong note um you know it, it can it does literally take you out of that comfort zone doesn't it but it, it, really but it does. can create that you know that confidence out the element of it but it must be difficult to go from that element to you know to put yourself in on center stage so to speak yeah, I, but I think the beauty of music is that you can do anything with it that you want. Yes. So it could just be for you. And some of these kids, like when they can play something that they really love, they can lose themselves in it. So it's yeah. also kind of a form of mind, mindfulness at the same time. So you, you've got quite a few elements going on where one, they could achieve something that, you know, they get recognition from other people, but also it's a personal thing where emotionally they can kind of lose themselves in that absolutely and 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 so do you play any other i mean i say any other i mean the piano is is uh, yeah. my my absolute kind of favorite um, yeah and it always was mine and and it is a challenging instrument when you're mm -hmm. trying to learn to read music but i also played the clarinet at school so i played the recorder which i loved yeah. um and that's one line of music and mostly i would play by ear uh, then I learned the clarinet, um, the violin, but I kind of got bored with them because I, really? I just really love piano. Yeah. So, um, but again, I went to about grade seven on clarinet and it's nice because obviously you're in a group environment. Yes. Um, yeah. So no, it's, I, if somebody's good at music and they have dyslexia, I would always definitely try and focus on that talent. Yeah, I mean, I've got Tom Jones in the book. So Tom Jones, I've got a record producer, Phil Wayman. 
Um, and he produced uh, Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and he yeah. had a lot of 70s and 80s hits, um, number one hits. And he said he was a drummer. He couldn't, he could barely read or write. Um, he had no support at home, but he, he had this drum kit. And at 15 years old, his music teacher had encouraged him to do this uh, drumming. And he went off and got himself into a band and he went off into Europe. And I mean, this was years ago as well. So long before like the, you know, where people did used to travel. And he says he was mixing with people like ABBA and people like that. And he said before he knew it, he said instantly, he said he worked out that he could actually produce songs and kind of put the icing on the cake of these songs that have been made. Yeah. Um, and although he was a professional drummer, he said he could see that there was an angle there where he could be even better. Yeah. And he said, and I think that's the thing with dyslexia. You can always seem to see the big picture. And people sometimes say, are you psychic? And it's like, I'm not psychic. No, I just kind of, I don't know why, but I just seem to see an angle with things that will make a difference or, you know. Absolutely. I'm just going to share a couple of um, couple of comments. Um I put, uh, Jonathan McDonald, visual thinkers uh, frighten those who become the modern system. We had Philippa uh, who put um, people with dyslexia usually have excellent auditory memory. Um, and thank you so much, Rachel. Uh, wow, loving uh, this episode. Thanks so much. Keep your comments coming in, guys. I can share them um, on 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 this. I, I will. And again, if you are um, tuning in, let us know uh, where where you're tuning in from. So, Karen, I would love to um, to have a conversation if you if you may uh, around. Um, your incredible book. Absolutely. Hold on a minute. I just, I just yes. get a little marketing opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I, was, I, I was hoping you had a, a, a yeah. you know, had a copy uh, visual for that. So, tell us a little bit about it. What inspired you? And, and you know, that, that would be great. Yeah. So while I was in school, I mean, I raised two children as well. They're grown up now. Both have dyslexia um, and other uh, dyspraxia, ADHD. Um, but anyway, they I mean, they've both gone on, focused on their talent. Uh, we supported them to do that. Um, and they've both gone on to be really successful in their careers. So whilst I was teaching and I could still see that dyslexia is such an issue in school and I don't understand why. Um, teachers, a lot of teachers aren't educated on it. Um, they will openly tell me that. And um, it's really sad because I know they would want to help because teachers go into that profession to help. Um, so whilst I was in school, I, it just kind of came to me and I just thought, there's all these incredible people out there, you know, like Sir Tom Jones, Sir Richard Branson, uh, James Martin, Jodie Kidd. Um, Kelly Hoppen has been a really big support for this project, actually. Yeah, um, she's been amazing. Um, but all these people, they've all achieved incredible things. Um, and I and when I started telling the children what these people had done and they had dyslexia, they were like, wow, they were just kind of blown away by it. And and I just thought I've got to do something about this. Um, so it was about eight years ago I started this project. And the first person I contacted was Susan Hampshire. And she was the actress who she was the first person with Duncan Goodhue, the swimmer. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people who are younger probably don't know these people, no. but um, I mean, Duncan <laughs> Goodhue was probably one of my heroes because I love swimming. I'm completely aware of who you're talking about. Okay, great. So, um, yeah, so I met with both of them 
and they were brilliant and um and I told them what I wanted to do and I said that what I really want to do is to get the winning formulas to how people have achieved success in their career because I want to show these kids that they might not be getting a stars and um you know 20 out of 20 for spellings and everything else but actually there's other things that they're going to be good at and because the thing is the whole low self-esteem it just spirals out of control um anyway so i decided that i would put this together and i would try to get as many people from different careers a very broad range to show how how these people have done it and I presented the material in a dyslexia-friendly format. So I used the BDA style guide. Amazing. So we followed that. Um, I got a lot of support for this, I have to tell you. So That's with great. the actual writing of it, I got a lot of support. But yeah. the actual um, format, how I wanted it laid out and everything, um, it kind of grew because I only ever actually wanted this tiny, thin, um, you know, almost leaflet that you open up um but once i started running the parent workshops and i showed them what i put together and how i'd interviewed these people gathered their winning formulas to show how they achieve success um they were like well we really like the inspiring stories it's really great but we really need help now with our children and some of these kids are like 10 and they're like what do we do how do we what do we actually do? So my one year project that it started out at that had already grown to about two years at that point, then sent me off on another thing altogether where um, I ended up going into learning support departments, um, speaking to dyslexia specialists, trying to see how we could kind of put some top tips for teachers because because I've worked in schools, I know how busy teachers are. They've got a class of 30 kids. They're working till goodness knows what time at night with prep work for the following day. Um, they're already doing a lot. So I wanted to keep it really simple. Yes. And simple always works for me anyway. So I kind of really wanted to keep that simple. So we got as many kind of top tips as we could to help teachers to make their classroom more dyslexia friendly, but without it make causing them a lot of aggravation um, yeah. and to make it very practical. Yes. So um, so we put a thing of top tips for that. Parents desperate for help. So we gathered some tips for um, parents to try to help them, show them different games that they could use with their children. So learning, it doesn't have to be through books. And people have this kind of fixed no idea because we're it's very Victorian, isn't it? We're, we don't need to be like that anymore. Times have been gone. You know, yeah. we're, everything's going to change. I mean, and I don't think people quite realise the changes that will happen. Yeah, I think I think we do. We categorise it. I, I remember having a conversation, and we were talking about kind of relaxation and uh, you know, kind of um, meditation, and then you know, the, the different learnings yeah. elements. And, and we we tend to think of relaxation and meditation is you know you have to do this, but there's so many elements and so many layers of things. You know, with re regards to learning as well. You know, it doesn't Definitely. have to just be textbook. It could be you know, like we discussed you know, just now around learning could be watching visual from YouTube or a game or something else. There's, there's too many layers to it. I mean, the learning that goes on through games is quite um, unbelievable. And I spent a lot of time, my dad would play a lot of games with us so that we could learn that way. And, and, and you're learning like without even realizing. And yeah. parents don't always realize that. And obviously there's a lot of pressure in school that they have to tickle these boxes for, you know, 
for for what I don't really know, but they have to. So um, and they're so fixed on it that they you've got to try to show them the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and you know that's kind of how the book ended up growing to be what should have been kind of like this. And I still. Interestingly, I put this book into Young Offenders Institutes. Amazing. So we've got them all through England, Wales, and now I'm on Scotland and Ireland. Um, and interestingly, uh, Park Prison uh, in Bridgend, I think it is. Um, uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on there with learning support now. And um, the specialist there said that she loves the book and she said it needs to be used as a learning resource. So what I did was I sent her a PDF of it um, or an ebook style. She could then print off the chapter that she wanted to give them. And also she will use it to educate the staff because um, also at Felton Young Offenders, um, I mean, they're trying to do a lot. I mean, it's had quite a bad reputation. and I mean, the percentage of neurodiverse prisoners, I mean, it's huge, absolutely yeah. massive. I, I went um, on a webinar um, a couple of weeks ago and it was around um, around that and the statistics uh, element of it. It is, it is very sad, you know, to, to see such a high percentage. Yeah. Um, and there's yeah. so much work um, that is, you know, is taking place there. But like I said, lots lots more to do. Definitely. But. And, and you know, and they said that they want to try to edu- educate everybody. And I pointed out to the learning support um, specialist there that I had done research and I'd spoken to somebody that had worked there in an operational role, no longer there. Um, but he'd worked there for about 20 years. And he said there are um, people locking these kids up they don't understand about dyslexia. They're given their um, menu cards for the week and so, uh, fill that out um, and hand it in on Sunday or whenever it is. But like you said, they don't know what day of the week it is in there. One day rolls into the next. They've already had a hard time. They can't complete the form. But the problem is, is these staff are not educated on neurodiversity so they have no understanding of how to actually help these people so you know there's a lot of work to be done but I'm just really proud that um, people have been supporting the GoFundMe project Um, and it's called Dyslexia and Success you just go to GoFundMe and people have been donating to that and it's fantastic because it's making a difference already just by giving it to the Young Offenders Institutes, um, they're already, I'm getting so much good feedback from that. Um, And now we're distributing to schools um, because that was the other thing that I could see that there was such a need for this information. Nobody's got any time. Schools don't have any money um, in the state system. I was lucky I've worked in both sectors, but in the state system, they have no money. So, you know, we have to give this book. We can't. We can't just expect them to buy it because they don't have any money. And actually, so donating one copy to every UK secondary school and college—that is my mission. Um, and it's it is life transforming. People don't realise that the simple messages that are in there showing what these kids can achieve. Yeah. I mean, I've got in there. Like, obviously, we've got all these well-known figures um, in in the book. But also Oliver Wright, he's the political editor of the Times newspaper, yeah. often in the, on the front of that paper. I would never believe that you could go into journalism with dyslexia. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, when you think of journalism, it, it, it is, isn't it? It's, 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 yeah. a, it's, it's a written format. It's, it's yeah. very 
um, I can imagine that, yeah, that would put a lot of pressure for, for me, I guess, you know, yeah. you know, going into that. But, but. And what I really liked was he said to me, because um, I, I, I've always been very nervous about using words that I can't spell. And my dad always used to say to me, don't use words you can't spell. Um, and interestingly, and it kind of worked for me because I kind of have this very narrow vocabulary. Do you so have... you go over the same words all the time, whereas you... Oliver Wright, no, he, he said it's other people's problem. Uh, it's mean... other people's problem. Do you yeah. find, Karen, so, so sorry, I, I, I completely yeah. get, I find that my, my verbal vocabulary, when I'm speaking, I tend to, I, I use, you know, I, I absolutely love the English language. I love, you know, learning new words and, yeah. and everything. But written format, I will literally write an email and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's a brilliant word to put in. Yeah. And then I will literally change the whole sentence around, delete the sentence, and then it will just be, you know, a standard uh, word. And, or yeah. I will literally write the war and peace on, a, on an email yeah. as well. But I, yeah. I, <laughs> and Because it, it, I think you feel confident in, I don't want people to see that I might not be able to spell something. And I can always remember getting a letter from a parent that I because um, I would write in the children's notebooks, uh, practice hands separately. Well, I would write that all the time because it's a way of uh, learning something. And I actually got a letter from a parent saying I keep spelling the word, word separately wrong. I literally was mortified. I felt so embarrassed. Um, and I was quite new to teaching at that point. So what I did was at the back of my diary, I wrote all the common words that I would use and I wrote them all out. So I could then, when I wasn't sure, go to the back of my diary and copy it. Mm. See, I, I guess people don't realise how much goes behind the, you know, the, the scenes um, of this. I, mm. I shared this before, and I'll be very quickly on on because I'm sure people's heard this story before. But when I started my first business, I yeah. remember I had a gentleman, uh, you know, this this company we were looking after, a very kind of high profile. Uh, but the person who was out looking after the account was called brian right. and i struggled with the name brian and i actually wrote brain so when i put the wow. email I put dear brain uh, and then i wrote the email and then my, my partner said you've you know you do realize you put brain i'm like oh my goodness so i panicked so i put dear yeah. brain i'm so sorry for calling you brian or something and i remember sending out six or seven emails one after another trying to recreate the problem and it was just wow it was that i mean i didn't know i had dyslexia at the time sure uh, you know, there was some some clues there, I guess, but but sure. it, but it is it's that that panic, isn't it, of, of people perceiving or yeah, I think because people judge you on on that kind of thing, the fact they shouldn't is irrelevant. They do yeah. so, and I, and that used to affect me, but it doesn't obviously anymore. Um, but it did when I was quite new to it. Um, but what I love now, and what all these people in the book basically said was. Um, Technology now just masks so many of the difficulties that you'd have had before. And, um, you know, I sometimes if I've got a long text to send, I can just go on my iPhone straight into Siri, say it, send it. It it just works so well now because I think before it was always a bit sketchy and it might put wrong words in and things, but it's so much more accurate now. If I get a long email from anybody, I will highlight the whole email, press speak, 
it tells me. So if I'm tired, I mean, I don't always do that. I do sometimes read, but if I'm tired, it really does help. Yeah, yeah, so there's so many kind of strategies now that you can use. And that kind of is what I'm trying to show in the book is, um, and in fact, I have a a chapter from um, Dr. Anna Pitt from the University of Oxford. And she also has dyslexia herself. Um, she's on the BDA Music and Dyslexia Committee. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she wrote a supporting chapter on the latest evidence, uh, neuroscience evidence that they've been researching. And it's really fascinating. And I mean, the summary right at the end basically is like, you've got all these creative skills from having dyslexia. The technology that is um, you know, evolving all the time actually is just benefiting people with dyslexia and actually it's the new way forward and people with dyslexia and other neurodiverse conditions this world is going they're going to excel yeah no i I totally going to i I took it can i just ask so so you started the project was it eight years ago eight years ago yeah i only got it published just before christmas so well, again, congratulations. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I love the, you know, the, the journey of it. I'm just yeah. interested to know kind of because I, I feel, you know, there has been maybe I, because I've been focusing on dyslexia and neurodiversity, you know, so much over the past couple mm. of years. But what was it like kind of eight years ago when you were kind of because because, you know, I, I find there's lots more kind of awareness around it. Still loads to be done, don't get me wrong, but there seems to be, uh, you know, a lot more kind of awareness. What was it like kind of eight years ago when you were kind of pushing this idea out? Was it? When I very first started it, it felt like there wasn't much at all. Yeah. Um, It it really did. And because I worked in schools, I just couldn't really see that there was enough going on. And, you know, I'd have parents in tears. I mean, they would like come to me to ask me for help and, and I just thought, well, I'm a music and dyslexia specialist. I don't, I don't really think I can help you with things like English and things like that. But obviously, now I've been into schools and really understood what's going on. It's great. But yeah, back then, I mean, there just was very little support at all. And it's really sad because um, I think a lot of it is that people aren't educated on it. Um, and I interviewed Sir Jackie Stewart and he, I mean, he just went to the end of the earth to try to help people with dyslexia. Yeah, and he said he went to, he went to government, um, he went to the House of Lords. He said no one was listening. He really had to fight. And in the end, he's got teacher training for the whole of Scotland, all the teacher training um, centres in Scotland. And this was about probably about four or five years ago when I interviewed him. So obviously things may have changed a bit since then. But he said for England, he said, he said he's not a quitter, but he said even was, that yeah. beat him. He said he was trying to bash the door down and he said you, he was getting nowhere. And I've spoken to teachers recently, young teachers that have recently trained and they're still, I thought they were meant to be educated on dyslexia, but still they don't know. I mean, one girl said to me, she's been teaching for three years and she said, what is dyslexia? And I thought, you're teaching a class of 10-year-olds and no one's told you what it is and how to spot it and how to support these kids. There will be at least three children in your class that have dyslexia that are going to struggle. Absolutely. I just want to just uh, share, um, Philippa, um, uh, Philippa uh, would love to get a copy of the book for uh, use uh, I think that's is it South Africa? 
um philip so um i will put a, um i will put a, a link in details all in the in the comments in uh, in there again um you know if anyone's watching that wants to connect with karen um to know more and how to get a copy of the book then please um please do connect you do you do definitely want a copy yeah. of it um ruth fenson she said is the book available as an auditory uh, download um not at the moment but i am working on trying to get that <laughs> sorted no. i mean that's i that was always my thing that i wanted an audio book yeah. but um to get that done it's quite a lot of work so yeah, i'm what? not at that point yet but i would love for it to be an audio book i no. think there's so many different ways that you can so on my iPad, for instance, I will put it on to speak and um, I can, in fact, when I was checking through the book, so I had a really good friend who's an English teacher and a dyslexia specialist. Um, so she edited all my work, um, but I still wanted to proof check it myself. So what I did was I had a copy of it on my iPad and I put it on to speak and I would listen to every chapter and it's surprising that even the even the copy editor would miss a couple of things that I would hear. Wow! Mm. I always I always find whenever I'm um, it, again, I think it's just a classic thing when I'm reading something, and again, mm. I, I tend to miss out, you know, very small words like to and the or something. So it's you know, yeah. my head I feel like I've I've spoke I've spoken it, I've yeah. written it, and then when I read it back, I think, my goodness, there's yeah. someone would say. You, you, you know what does this mean you've missed the letter out i'm thinking oh it's there i can oh it's not there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's definitely it's definitely there uh, yeah. no it's not there <laughs> or it's there twice <laughs> <laughs> yeah or you've hit autocorrect and it's giving you a, a completely yeah, yeah. Uh, different word i want to um just bring on um uh, matthew heads but i remember not being able to spell, spell my job title which was hard uh filling in forms and and something that you kind of you touched on as well, or I'm kind of the, you know um, in the prison service when you know they uh, they're given kind of menus um, and, and things and, and fill in the forms. And it was only I always find you know even kind of organisations. So I went to um, the uh, the chiropractor yesterday, which um, uh, again incredible uh, chap. But even the process of going in and seeing all the signs of what uh, you need to do to adhere to, obviously the email that comes through. Uh, but then it's a case of the old kind of school that, you know, the form that you're given to, you know, to fill out. And it's, right. you know, it's probably about 30 boxes. And it's, you know, yeah. I know it's a standard sort of name, address, and then there's health questions and other things. But even some of those things, and it's nothing against the chiropractor in any way, yeah. shape or form, but it's just, I guess, the standard way that we we want the information from another person, isn't it? It is. And I think, I mean, my mum, even now, she struggles with forms massively. She, you know, they send a form through. I can remember um, she had all these forms when her husband had died and they'd be that thick. And it's just like, it. They, there has to be changes. I think they are trying to make things a lot more accessible now. Um, okay. and, and often these things will come through and say, um, if you have you know, any visual difficulties or um, dyslexia and things, you can ask to speak to someone. But it, Do you find that, though? Because if, say, for instance, let's just take the, the chiropractor situation, okay? Yes. So, I'm, you know, walking in, it's very, you know, small practice. The person there is incredible, been there, you know, uh, before. Uh, and then you 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 go in and then you're given this clipboard with the form on there. Yeah. And then it's a case of how then do you confidently then say, well, actually, yeah. I'm dyslexic uh do you have another way and i can imagine then it's kind of 
Oh, uh, um, yeah, they're not going to be set up for and then it. It's a case of, you know, and then the last thing you want really from a confidence point of view, I guess, is then the chiropractor sitting next to you and then, um, you know, helping you fill it out. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? And I think the thing is, is that um, if I had a long form, I know it's going to take me a long time to do it. Doesn't mean I can't do it. It means it's going to take a long time. So yeah. you kind of, like you say, you get through your name and address, which you know you can do. And then after that, it starts to slow down because my processing speed for reading is probably Same. more the issue for yeah. something like that. So then I probably would just say, oh, sorry, I've only got partway through this form. It takes me a long time. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't openly say I have yeah. dyslexia. Absolutely. And and sometimes even when you say it, you know, it's OK, I'm not too sure where to go for this. And yeah. you know, I find a lot of the time when I'm given forms, they always use the terminology. I've just got a quick form for you to fill out. Yeah, I hate that quick. It's never quick. <laughs> I think it quick. It may be quick. Let yeah, you know. Whoa, let, let me t let me tell you. Um, yeah. So, so I guess you know that there are, like I said, there are some companies out there that's, that's doing some incredible things. But it's it's that, you know, how do you then change, uh, you know, those kind of scenarios? Because I just think there, it's it's a long journey, isn't it? Yeah, it is a long journey. And I I do feel like there's a lot of energy picked up. Um, around it and that people are embracing neurodiversity now um, companies so I I had a lot of help actually from somebody at Universal Music and they have done a manual called creative differences for the whole of their workplace so just before the lockdown they just done this and I think they said that Walt Disney took on um, about 200 copies wow so you know it is starting to unfold and there are there is support and recognition you know and people are recognizing also that it benefits their business to have a broad range of neurodiverse um employees yes um and i think that's really good because um had i when i first went to work at 16 um in the bank if that had been embraced at that time i probably wouldn't have left yeah. But um, you can never survive in that situation. That, that must be tough. I, 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 it, it, there's so many similarities in the sense of, you know, mm. the love of music. And I actually, when I, I was at school, I dreamt of working in a bank. Um, and right. I just knew, you know, leaving school without any qualifications was going to be pretty difficult to, to, yeah. to go and work uh, yeah. in a bank. And I guess all it was, was I wanted to just wear a suit. Uh, yeah. and it was crazy. I wanted to wear a suit and a tie. And yeah. I guess I just wanted... Um, I, Maybe because of that that confidence element, I thought if I wear a suit and a tie, and yeah. I, you know, and I I go and I work in a bank, you know, like I've I've made it in that sense because it's yeah, fill it, it me with you know, especially where I was isolated a lot in school, yeah, uh, you know that element. But I can imagine you know that there's certain parts within the banking industry there's a lot of pressure, especially on the neurodiverse. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, like you say, with the suit and everything, and I was the same, and I had like a really strong sense of self worth. Probably, I felt the greatest when I went into that job. But as time went on, obviously, um, I was never going to survive. But initially, I felt great that I actually got a job um, yeah. and that I was going to get paid. And and somebody valued what I was doing. But yeah. as time went on, that would never, I would never have survived. But um, I, but that sense of self worth is so important. Oh, hugely, hugely. I remember, you know, I, you know, my first job, you know, pushing trolleys at a supermarket. Yeah. But I actually felt because there was, 
I, you know, I kind of knew the structure. It was a case of when the bays <laughs> get full up, yeah. and I empty them, and it was, you know, it's, it's a, it's, uh, you know, it's a process in yes. that. But for the first time, I actually felt like I was uh, offering value, uh, yes. and I wasn't being judged uh, on, you know, those aspects. And I, I always had this, and this is where I kind of always thought about where, you know, progressing into a role. I did feel that I was one of the most important people, uh, you know, as a team within there, because I would always yeah. go. You know, if no one has trolleys, then they can't put the stock in. They no. can't purchase the stock. So, exactly. you know, so I've always thought whatever role I'm in, I've always yeah. is an important integral part of, uh, you know, uh, of, of the company. Definitely. I mean, Susan Hampshire, she one of the lovely quotes um, and she said to me is that people can go on to be the most marvellous gardener, painter, mother, and I really love that because it isn't all about um, succeed, like success where you're making a lot of money or yeah. you're famous. And I, I just thought that was lovely because, um, you know, really kind of trying to get kids to understand that there are things that you can feel important and have self-worth in anything. Right. Yeah, I think I think because we we do naturally, you know, you mentioned and I mentioned uh, a lot. And we see this around, especially around dyslexia. We yeah. we do think of you know the, the famous actors, and then we think of you know uh, you know the billionaires like uh, Richard Branson. And sure. you know, sometimes you're thinking, well, actually, I just need to get through writing this email, or you know, looking at what job yeah. I need to do, or, or these other elements. And and there's so many things that we're succeeding with within our lives. That's and, it. Rather than scaling, thinking, okay, so I have dyslexia, and I need to make sure that I become a, a you know, yeah. successful as um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be famous to be successful, or you don't have to be rich to be successful. Success is what how you see it. Um, yeah. But I, I did really love that. But everybody in this book says about self belief; it's so important. Karen, could I could, could you mm. just show me the the, th the thickness of the book? I can just because. Can you see that? I can't. That that to me is incredible because I'm still I'm still uh, amazed at the fact that when you first started this out eight years ago, yeah. seven years ago, it was going to be like a pamphlet. Yeah. And then the the journey that it's been on and you've been on, you know, re-educating yourself yeah. in certain elements, bringing yeah. those in, it must feel you must feel incredibly proud. I do. I mean, once it was in print, I just could I could hardly really believe it that I'd done it. I mean, I said, and oh, sorry. Um, okay. I said, uh, like, when I think back to myself at 16 at school, like, and it was always quite funny, like, uh, although I didn't get stuff at school, we, it was considered quite funny amongst my friends. Um, but I said, it's, I just feel like, wow, I would never have believed, one, that I'd get a degree, two, that I would do this book. Well, there, there, well, you you should feel you know incredibly proud. Is there um it, you don't have to answer this, but is there a future projects that you're working on that you're probably not allowed to tell anyone or or are you I just, just really, I'm just so passionate about this project that I yeah. just want to get it out there and um and I'm just really gonna start trying to get with GoFundMe and go to businesses and see if they can help to get this into schools um, and get them on board so that's kind of my next mission Amazing. to draw you know and get support from uh companies to see if they can help 
Absolutely. I'm just going to bring in this comment and then we'll quickly talk about how we um, how we can help and um, support on that. So Millie, Millie Moss, put, put, uh, success looks different to anyone, uh, to everyone. And that's why uh, relatable role models are so important. This is something yeah. we talk about in the future first. Uh, I totally agree, uh, uh, Millie, um, in that. So, so important. Um, thank you for sharing that. So, Karen, how can how can people get involved with this and, and help, um, you know, spread more awareness around this book, get into into more hands? How can they um, how can how can we help? Well, I mean, if you can spread the words about the GoFundMe uh, page, which is called Dyslexia and Success, and that's at GoFundMe.com. Um, the book is available to buy on Amazon and you can have it either in black and white or color. Both versions are um, still on cream paper, um, but just not colored, colored images. And I only bought the black and white one out to make it more affordable. Um, I do know that Send Books and um, Helen Arkell are going to be able to sell the colored version um, slightly cheaper. So, uh, but at the moment it's all available on Amazon. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so brilliant. Karen, we're coming up to the end of the talk. Uh, like I said, I always do this with my guests. There's so much I would love to continue talking sure. to you about. I will put um, any links uh, and please feel free to put um, any any comments um, underneath uh, this video on any links that you would like you know, people to kind of get involved with or links uh, to the book. Um, and again, if people would like to, to get in contact with you, Karen, how's the, the best oh, way? And I also, I've got a website that is uh, dyslexiaandsuccess.com. So you can contact me through that. That's fantastic. Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, meeting with you uh, on here. Thank you so much indeed for, for sharing your story. Lovely. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having you, me on. Uh, you're, you're most welcome. And um, uh, good, best of luck with the book. And if I can help in any way, shape or form, then please, uh, please do share. Lovely. Thank you, Darren. Okay, have an amazing weekend. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So guys, that was Karen. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed that episode as much as I did. The book is incredible. It didn't, um, it, it, the, the journey uh, to, to making that book, uh, I know that, that Karen has been on and then she shared kind of just a snippet um, of the, of that. So uh, it's just, just incredible. The amount of uh, help that is going to be doing organizations, uh, schools, uh, in the prison service uh, as well and, and beyond. So if you can support uh, in any way, shape or form, uh, with that, then please do connect, guys. Thank you as always for tuning in to Neurodiversity Stories. Like I said, we do this on uh, every Friday at 11 a.m. UK time. If you'd like to uh, to be uh, a part of this and share your story, then please do uh, get in touch. Other than that, thank you so much for all your comments, likes, uh, and getting involved, and all of our guests. I will see you next Friday uh, for another Neurodiversity Stories. Take care, peeps. Cheers. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.